Hello, and welcome to Digital Marketing Musings, hosted by Merkel. Each episode, we choose a different expert to share the latest and greatest in digital marketing trends. Today, we're interviewing Island Wheeldryer, Steve Pomeroy, and Jason Meek about all things attribution. All right, let's get to it. I'm Gaia Reed. And I'm Andrew McCartney. And this is Digital Marketing Musings. In part one of this conversation, we talked a lot about how attribution is thought about today um, amongst your average marketers or brands. Um, and now I want to kind of transition the conversation to talk about you know, additional factors and considerations that could modulate in how we talk and think and approach attribution uh, going forward. So last time we left off talking about what our options are for reporting. What are some alternative methods to to platform or deterministic reporting? Yeah, yeah, I can take this one. So, so determine. So first, you have to kind of understand what's the difference between the two approaches, right? So deterministic is essentially a logic based attribution that comes up where you're saying, okay, last click is a is an is an example of that. 100% goes to the last thing that we saw before the conversion happened, right? Otherwise, if you have th- the other approaches are evenly spreading it or first and last. So evenly would be four campaigns came in, give them each 25% or first and last where you give the first one 40% and the last one 20%. And then you spread the remaining 20% to anything in the middle, right? So very specific rules that put in that you kind of determine based on data you've seen at that time. And then you kind of apply that going forward and hope the rules don't change, right? Probabilistic is the other way. So it's not trying to neatly define for uh, at a certain time how all that credit should be divvied up it actually looks at the incremental impact each is having so usually that's done by creating an event stream for a specific conversion so an event stream is basically every single exposure a piece of marketing that a specific person or a household or a device would have seen and tied to a conversion and typically what happens and this is usually done on a weekly basis so you're saying for the first week in december all the media that for the last 90 days leading up to t- today, what was the impact each campaign was having? And so it looks at event streams tied to conversion and says, when this specific display campaign was running and there's a conversion and the specific a conversion happened and that display campaign wasn't there, what is the incremental impacts of that specific campaign? So probabilistically, it's determining the incremental value of that specific campaign within a specific window for a specific week. So it's very much looking at from a model standpoint, your impacts for all of your campaigns within that window, not in 2022, but for a specific week. And so that's kind of the the difference between those two approaches and how it kind of determines the amount of credit you should have. Elon, was there any other examples you wanted to give kind of on deterministic ways that you've applied in the past? Yeah, I think when platforms try to develop models and apply them to their specific platform reporting. What they try to do at this point is preserve as much signal as possible and then take that signal and extrapolate it across all data they see coming through in terms of conversions. So this is where conversions APIs come into play. And almost everybody has a conversions API at this point. Um, And the reason why those are important is because they're taking signal um, and either ingesting it um, 
the platforms either ingesting first-party data or they're taking signal that would have been third-party data and lost and converting it into first-party data. Um, and so with that, they're building a larger pool of information, of data, on which they can inform their model and make decisions about all these conversions they're seeing on the site. Um, what is interesting about this, and we talked a little bit about this in the first episode, is that each platform has their own method for doing this. They make up their own rules, they make up their own models. And so what's good to keep in mind is that one should be wary of trusting any one platform's data. For example, we've seen some rather large discrepancies. Uh, if we just look at browsers, for example, um, I won't mention any specific names, but comparing two different DSPs, we see one DSP um, look at the conversion rates for known data, so data that's not been deleted, so they either have some sort of PII marker, um, and they look at conversion rates between Safari and Chrome, and uh, the Safari conversion rate is much lower, as can be expected, um, and they accommodate for that in their model. And they replace a lot of conversions from Safari exposures to come closer to where the Chrome conversion rate is. Then we can look at another DSP, and that gap is not replaced as well. And so we think to ourselves, okay, um, which one is more correct? And um, it is likely that the conversion rate across browsers is probably more at parity. Um, and so in certain instances, we can see where platforms modeling their choices and how they model actually might be too conservative. Um, and so this is, this is just a, a thing to keep in mind. With signal loss, there's a, a wide variety of those methods, um, in both in terms of how they're ingesting and trying to preserve data, and then what they do with the data once they have it. Uh, in terms of platforms, one could also consider MTA as sort of a, a platform, but also a, a method of attributing credit that's dedicated to attribution. And Jason, I know that you are very experienced in working with those and probably explain that a little better. Yeah, ab absolutely. So, you know, when I was talking about probabilistic and put it, pulling everything together in event stream, typically that in the past that's been done using third-party cookies, right? Uh, what Alan was saying from like a publisher or, or specific platform, that's typically second party because you go to Google and say, hey, I would love to track this. They put a, cook, a cookie on all the, on your website and then they track the flow through and what's happening. So that, that's still, other than the blocking, typically works. The problem with that the gold standard or the, the industry standard up until the last couple of years has been basically going to Google and saying, you have a great third party network. We would love to know all the exposures that are happening inside your platform and other ones. And so we'll feed you other platforms, exposures and uh, emails and all the types of things to kind of have that be the ID that ties that event stream together. But with all of the, the pixel blocking and the platform blocking and, and the third party cookies deprecating in California and Europe and all other places, tying that event stream together to do probabilistic matching specifically with third party cookies is really not as impactful as it used to be simply because you're missing a lot of holes. And so Platforms that are in the mid or lower funnel that have a lot of click through where somebody can actually be driven to a client's site, those things are still relatively picked up 
uh, fairly okay, whether you're using a, 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 a different platform to be your ID, whether that's a CDP or your Google or your web analytics product or Adobe or any other platform that's dropping those second party cookies on your behalf, you can leverage those IDs. But if they don't have those, that ID or that network out where there's other exposures, you're missing that. So your event stream that may have, let's say 10 different events or 10 different media interactions tied to a conversion, now you only have three of them. The model's still going to attribute that media, but now it's only three that are going to get the credit. It's not going to be 10, right? And so the probabilistic matching is still happening because it's still understanding the impacts of each of those campaigns and that effectiveness, but there's less to, 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 to work with and there's less campaigns that show up. So display campaigns that, again, were online videos that have got very good view View th- or viewability where they're looking at a long form, but not, there's no real call to action to say, click on this now and do this because it's a brand building or just the, the product that's being sold doesn't require that kind of interaction. That data doesn't show up. And so what we've done over the last few years is go to building probabilistic matches specifically on MTA with knowing the, what's in the event stream to more aggregate level modeling. So as opposed to... Um, also at the tactic level, also on a weekly basis. Um, um, And so what that more looks like is it's looking at display and it's looking at each of the campaigns that Elon would be running. But as opposed to following the the clicks through the process, we look at the amount of spend that's happening and activity every single day by DMA at the tactic level and saying, what is the relationship between this and any of the conversion that's happening today and over the next six to eight weeks, right? We could look as quickly as what's happening over the next hour, depending on how the client's business works and the impact of that. But what we lose, we look at the relationship and the causal effect between those without having to bring that event stream and having that reliance on third-party cookies. That being said, we still do build MTA solutions for our clients, but we have to use our de- our identity or our own individual data. Markle database that does that matching. And I know we're going to talk about more of that stuff later down the road, but there is an option outside of MTA using micro segment, which allows us to do some of that similar type of modeling and approach where you're trying to look at all the media driving one specific week of conversion, whether online or offline, and but also <clears throat> and still having the same type of reporting, just not being able to do that an event stream. And by losing the event stream, the biggest component that you lose is kind of that customer journey aspect to it. Because I don't know that Jason Meek saw this display ad and this paid search ad and this television ad for OTT within a certain time period. I just have to know that there was spend in each of those campaigns and there was conversion in those same similar markets. And therefore, we still believe that we know that the impact of those probabilistically, we just can't be finite in regards to this. This is what Jason Meek saw. So it's kind of more aggregate level of modeling uh, approach, but done at a tactic level. And so that's fairly similar, but still a little bit different. It's kind of a blend between what multi-touch attribution did and does versus what media mix is, does. And so what we, the media mix does with it more of an aggregate or like top-down level modeling is it doesn't really care. It doesn't model at the tactic level. It, it looks more like what are the effects of paid search over the last three years? Not what are the effects of paid search over the next two months? It's like, what is my baseline for paid search? And so the biggest component of that is seasonal. So as 
Steve brought up earlier about them working with retail clients and you're marching towards that Q4 where all your sales are coming in, that they're very seasonal components. But the how meat paid search works in November around holiday is much different than how it works in March, right? And so knowing your baselines of how paid search works overall is also very to understand how it's working for your business to understand how the, how well the effects and where your kind of waste is at. So it's like paid search generally has a ROAS of 10 for me. So I know it's good, but in October, it needs to have a 15 or a 20 or which tactics do that. And so that's the blend of like taking aggregate type of attribution and bringing it down to the other level. So it's not, it's still looking at, um, it's still looking at the indirect and direct indirect effects of as paid search goes up, what kind of conversion goes up, right? But it's it's modeling it in a different way as opposed to modeling each tactic each week. It's saying, how does how does paid search work? And or how does branded paid search work? Or how does branded paid search for television works? Or those types of things where you're kind of determining different shapes of diminishing return curves. And so attribution goes a different direction when starting to get more into the media mix because of just the data that you are collecting and how you're collecting it is not as uh, one-to-one and seasonal as it is for like MTA and for the other type of um, deterministic or lift type of stuff that um, where attribution starts at, at a, when doing that, t- that tactic or testing level attribution. And as I understand what you're saying a, a, little, a little ways back when we're talking about just probabilistic forecasting or reporting in general, and the ability to do probabilistic attribution for different channels varies. There, there's probably also, you know, begging the question for if you're a brand choosing between different third-party providers or, or MarTech um, stack considerations, um, if there are platforms that maybe wouldn't accept probabilistic values to be imported at all. Is that something that comes into play here at all? Yeah, I, I could take that. It's more about with any measurement solution, it's it's about adoption, right? What do you believe? How was it used? How was it applied? And is it consistent? And do we believe the numbers behind it, right? And mm-hmm. so in a lot of cases, some clients try to go to that probabilistic at a tactic level and it's updated weekly and it's just too much information that changes too often. And because there's no adoption in other areas, it's a lot more data than, the, than they can deal with. When thinking mm-hmm. more about like deterministic, it's in thinking about like more smaller lift tests on certain campaigns, it's here's the audience that saw it, here's the audience that didn't see it, what is the amount of effect that had, right? It's very straightforward when that, but when you get to probabilistic, you're usually not just modeling one channel, you're modeling all these different channels. And so the methodology on how they track that when it comes to lift or deterministic is a little bit different. And so it you have to really understand how each of those are being different. And so when we typically come to clients, the first thing we typically recommend is building a media mix so because it's aggregate, it doesn't care about how the data is tracked from a pixel standpoint. It doesn't care about the look back windows because it's typically looking at impact within 13 weeks over multiple years. And so we try to make sure that there's adoption at that level to say, yes, we believe in this approach or, or no, we don't. And so then we have to then educate them on why it's why we believe it's accurate, why we believe it's, it's one of the best measures to understand their media overall. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we would apply it at much lower levels. And that's where typically we're we're doing more of that deter- deterministic is happening 
while media mix is happening. And then while that adoption happens, then we slowly move clients down either through digital MSA or TV attribution, or in some cases, if they want to get to the customer journey, then we start building MTAs where the cadence build starts to, to build up as confidence builds up to say, okay, I trust these numbers over here that the that you that we know what the, the ROAS for, for paid search is now show me how the tactics are working differently week by week because I believe the bigger numbers so now I'm I will trust the the numbers beneath that number and we calibrate mm-hmm. our solutions together to say we'll take media mix and MSA and MTA and 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 kind of combine them to normalize them because as I said with the retail example before your your overall ROAS could be 10 for paid search but in certain weeks in October, it could be 50 or 55, where it's really large, just simply because it's really seasonal, right? And what, what calibration or normalizing to media mixes is it says, well, it's not 50, but because you're normally 10, maybe it's more of a 35. So it kind of brings it down within a standard deviation for it to be norm. So it's not these outliers that are kind of out there. And that makes people kind of feel more comfortable with not having wild results happening from solution to solution. Mm-hmm. So that's how we kind of keep these together to try to get people to understand the numbers, adopt them, and then ultimately start to apply them and use them for their their marketing. Yeah, that progression makes sense. So you mentioned earlier that cookie deprecation, we know it's, it's already here for some platforms or browsers, and we know there's more to come. And, and that's definitely an issue with resolving identity. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, the multi-touch attribution solutions in the past have used that third-party cookie as a way to tie a bit those event streams together. Since that's gone away, what we have here at Merkle is our own identity solution, which allows us to know when a visitor to a web property that a client owns, who that person is. There's a certain match rate that happens within that so that we know not only information about them, but all the information related to them. So it's like it's a household file from a standpoint of we know every single household in the United States, along with, with many of those down to an individual level. So we leverage that Mercury ID is our platforms called Mercury, essentially to understand who that is and then tie that to, together from when they come to the site with also any first party related media that they may have. So let's say they do direct mail or email or anything that a client may own, we then also understand that and then to combine all that into the event stream. So identity is really kind of our unifying ID that we would have used at Google in the past or any other platform that kind of says, this is what we know about this specific person. And so that's what we do with it with using an event stream. But I know there are other uses that Steve and his team kind of use with it too. Yeah, that's exactly right, Jason. And I think, you know, again, when we think about the the broad spectrum that is identity in measurement, you know, um, what we're talking about here when we talk about Mercury and activating out of an identity solution out into the open web and then understanding either whether it's based on a tracking pixel or some other sort of technology, that feedback loop of exactly who's exposed and who's not to that media and what actions they are or are not taking, but certainly is you know, a very nice like gold standard way approach to kind of get the most information out of the various different platforms that you can. But again, you know, kind of going back to the CPG aspect or maybe even other um, areas, if you want to activate, let's say on a first party data rich platform or a first party data rich, let's say the rise of retail media networks, um, they might offer something like closed loop, right? And so you might be thinking to yourself, what is that? What sort of value can I drive out of that? You know, they mention it's about identity and it's identity driven. You know, what, what am I going to get out of that information? And really, it's going to be the same sort of principles that we're talking about here, just with less control, right? So each of these different retailers and other 
large first-party data platforms, you can think of the Wall Gardens even as another great example, want to control that first-party data uh, information. They don't want to let it out of their walls. And they'll give you a lot of closed-loop information, meaning you can actually feed in transaction logs, you can feed in site visitor data into their clean room environment. And that's another whole other topic that I'm sure we can come back to at some other point. But, you know, their environment to then match up who was exposed versus who wasn't and understanding who actually then actioned on that information on your site or property. And that can be really powerful in and of itself to that point that Jason was making. It's not going to be holistic, right? It's going to be an individual window into someone's journey and you're going to get a slice of information, but still super valuable. Because again, you might only be understanding from the cookies that we're talking about small subset of people that are actually using the right browser at the right time and if traveling to and clicking and spending enough time on a site that they actually create a session, you know, that information can start to kind of deprecate quickly versus, you know, some of these identity based solutions can actually tie that stuff back together for you. So how are we able to better account for attribution across channels, both digital, non-digital, outside of how we think about things that are just like really easily trackable digital like paid channels. So I'm thinking like owned versus not known. So like SEO versus SEM, trackable versus not, maybe like direct mail versus billboard, online versus offline. Like these are all things that we've kind of hinted at, but I'm curious if you have some sort of POV or like best practice that you yeah, want to share. Yeah, I mean, share. I can give my thoughts, but, you know, happy to hear Island or Jason's thoughts as well on this one. But, you know, I think, again, it kind of comes down to what is the full layout of those different channels that you're trying to you know measure and you know what exactly are you trying to accomplish with those various different things so for example i'll give a really concrete example so if you're running an auto home test you know what is success for that auto home test you know you have a billboard and maybe a couple select cities and you're just trying to drive awareness or maybe you know get people to react to maybe some new creative or a new messaging um in which case do you really need to adjust your full-on modeling solution to account for that, right? And that's maybe a realistic question because, you know, one of the things that you also try to advise clients on is, what do you really need to buy and build right now versus what can you move forward with and learn with with what you have? And that's partially kind of solving both of these problems because to kind of do a full encompassing, you know, modeling approach, you might go down a bit more of the path of what Jason was talking about with mixing up you know, some of the MMM, the totally probabilistic uh, sort of approaches versus some more deterministic and or audience-based approaches, whether it's MTA or MSA. But those things can get complicated just as we were talking about and have a lot of different caveats therein. So I think first thing that I always try to advise folks on is exactly what are you trying to accomplish with some of these different media and how diverse do you see your portfolio media and from those offline channels, right? Because the offline ones are going to be the ones where you actually are going to be having to make these sort of hard calls. You know, I would recommend all anybody do an MMM. You know, at the end of the day, it's just going to be a signal that, you know, is going to give you a lot of information that, you know, kind of connects the dots and is a little bit more agnostic of what your day-to-day approach is. Kind of layered underneath that, having some of those more direct channel-based attribution models that give you that immediate signal to kind of um, give you those uh, more fidelity and those deeper updates. But you know, again, it, it could be a different answer for every client and every purchase cycle. You know, Jason, love to hear, you know, any additional thoughts you had there. Yep. So typically with uh, starting with like kind of media mix where we're running a lot of scenario plans, right? Because the idea is not only do we want to understand the amount of marketing effectiveness each channel is happening, 
at that the, the previous spend levels, but then we want to run scenarios to say, what if we had to cut a million dollars? What if we had five extra million dollars to spend? Where are we at on the diminishing return curves for each and all these channels to say, if I need to run, if I need to make a quick pivot, where would I do that? And so that's where those tools typically come in into play and and kind of guide what I should be doing and help with overall planning of a a, a year or a quarter. It just depends on how how quick the clients want to turn that around and how how quick their markets can change, right? And then how far back you want to look at that. I mean, thinking about the effects of COVID, right? We bring a lot of externalities into those types of attribution when we're quantifying the amount of marketing impact. We're also looking at the impact of other factors on their business and whether it's going up or down. Right. And so we bring those factors into to understand, like, where should I and shouldn't I move money and how far can I move on that? Right. And then from the other standpoint, when we're modeling at the tactic level, then we start to understand, OK, you said to move two million dollars into paid search. Which campaign specifically should I be doing that for? Which areas of brand, which products, all those types of things in the taxonomy. And we could say, OK, well, this is working for these specific weeks and not these other ones or we're going into a heavier period what did that look like last year and those types of things and so you're you're taking the 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 big how do you move the big boulders and now you're finding little places to kind of move specifically within those uh boulders a little bit here or there to then better understand what's working because every every channel for the most part has some area that is working and some is not it's the key is identifying what area of that is are you turning off half of it or are you turning off five percent of it and then taking that 5% and moving it, or are you adding another 30%, right? Because that's what we're trying to do is make every single channel as effective as possible. And so knowing how each channel is working and then within each channel, what's working and being able to identify that is kind of what we try to do with our attribution overall. Andrew, specific to your question, you had also uh, specifically asked about like SEM versus SEO. So like paid search versus organic <laughs> generally again this comes back to the artistry and the, and the creativity of knowing when to apply what methods so something like when we're comparing SEM to seo uh you can do crude things or i should say more crude things like just pre-post analysis of turning off sem and seeing how many clicks are absorbed by seo right. or you can do more sophisticated right. analysis right you can apply regression or some sort of thing to the data set and start modulating spend and across time, right? So you can do a lot of these different things um, when you don't have pre-built platform-specific solutions to to looking at things like tracking because SEO, you're not going to have a lot of um, ability to do that like you can with display. So again, learned a lot. Right. The artistry of knowing what methods to apply when is is pretty big. Would you agree with that, Jason, Steve? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, just taking that into account when you think about like your general uh, CBG client, right? Um, how many of those clients would be really happy to say, hey, you know, you need to, like you said, modulate or create, as we would say in the statistical side of the world, some experimental design within your media budgets within your drive time, right? Because that's one of the things that, you know, when you get an optimal model output from something like MMM, that you want to see is that true delineation between which channels are driving what. But to get to that, you actually have to create variability to see Mm. that in the model and Mm. actually get that information out. So that's one of the things I always kind of call out for brands that are just starting in this uh, MMM world is, you know, 
one thing to kind of keep in mind is that if essentially you're driving everything up at once, like effectively you're spending more on TV, you're spending more on social, you're spending more on search, all at the same rate, at the same time. What's the difference, right? If I if you can't draw the lines and call out the differences in those curves, how would the model, right? And so that's one of the pieces to really keep in mind when you're when you're building these things is that the value is really only as good as the the groundwork that you're laying in and kind of getting that stuff set up. And Jason, I see it not in the lawn, so yeah. I think I might have hit on a little bit. That no, no, absolutely. And, and again, we do model or organic social and get running search depending on the attribution solution and, and give credit to those things as well. We typically start with your paid dollars because they don't people don't want to waste any more dollars than they can have. But then after you maximize your dollars, it's then thinking about organically, how could you be more effective, right? And we go beyond organic and we also look at earned and owned, right? So it's like, I own this Facebook page organically. I'm not putting paid spots in, and I'm, but I'm managing all the campaigns on how we post. How effective is my internal team at doing some of that, right? And so we also, because a lot of that is have a lot of campaigns behind it, we can also understand the impacts of those too. So just because there aren't dollars does, you know, as, as Steve Nalan said, there, there are there are diminishing return curves for those things as well. It's just aren't usually organics are tougher levers to pull, right? To say, I want my organic to go up 20% next year, or I want my email effectiveness to go up 20% next year. It's like, you don't spend money on email usually unless you're buying prospects and you can't make your site 20% more effective. So it's it's usually the, the second or third area conversations that we have when looking at our type of attribution. That's right. Your ROAS on organic is not infinite. i think you guys are teeing me up really perfectly for my next thought starter in in the previous answers but i'm sure i speak for every marketer out there you come in monday morning you sit down you look at some reports right and you're you're made you're making decisions on on some data and Normally, a lot of those decision-making patterns are inherited from one person to the next, whether you're working on an internal brand team or uh, in an agency world. In a perfect world, how should we actually like think about and go about the process of like optimizing performance? You know, what changes to the current typical process uh, that you see would you want to be included in that exercise? Gosh, I think, you know, I'd love to see those marketers take a breath, uh, maybe take a minute and uh, think a little bit before firing off that first email. Oh my gosh, like I see my numbers crashing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, I do think there's there's a value to, you know, like we were talking about historical lineage of, uh, you know, data and being able to look year over year and see those seasonality trends and things like that. And even when we talk about MMS and things like that. You have to have two, three, maybe even more years worth of data. And the more of that data you can bake in, the better. Now, as Jason was just talking about, one key thing to call out that we all just lived through was COVID, right? And, you know, Mm -hmm. what model could have predicted that? Maybe there was a few out there, but in the marketing world, right? Like what model really could have predicted that? Probably none. And so we have to be a little bit flexible within... You know, the context of if there's a hurricane or if there's just some sort of event or, you know, exogenous variable, if we might call it a statistical thing that's thrown into the mix that's completely unpredictable and react to that and make smart decisions once we see that data and start to read it in. That being said, I think there are ways to kind of like parallel path to your measurement, right? 
when you when you start off your campaigns and before you even get going on launching new media into market, it's always really good to kind of ground yourself on what are we trying to do, right? What is the true success KPI we have? And then can we actually measure that success KPI day to day? You know, so that by the by your uh, talking point there, it's like, you know, when you get your Monday morning report, where should your eyes go? You know, what are you, what is the first couple things you're trying to look at? And maybe that success KPI is something you only look at on a monthly basis because of a lot of various different reasons. And then you have what we'll call proxy metrics and other things that can kind of feed in underneath that to then rationalize a little bit of what might be happening, whether it's, you know, your creatives were completely missing from <laughs> some of your stuff or you had the wrong uh, links, you know, so all of your clicks went to nowhere, right? You know, things that have happened to all of us, you know, how can you start to kind of build in some of these different checkpoints into the process so that you can understand, you know, what is that true success, but then also how is my media actually flowing into the different things that we were actually optimizing towards within that given campaign? Yeah, yeah, I guess I would say a couple of things to piggyback off Steve too. So one I would say is like investing in your media taxonomy, right? Like that is huge for us. Be having the consistency across brands, across platforms, across channels. It's hard. No one wants to do it. It's difficult. It's tough to maintain. Having it tagged all the right way, all those things is really critical, not only for now, but from three years from now when you want to try to, to look at the performance of something that happens. And so having that is 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 key. And, and and spending the time, even though it's not necessarily something that's super fun or sexy. The second thing would be around knowing how much you can affect and how much change can happen. So I will run a scenario plan for a client and, and we'll say, move this $3 million for this month over to over to paid search, right? And then at that time, we'll then say, okay, we'll identify which paid search campaigns are best or worst. Or let's say display campaigns are best or worst. And we'll say, turn these 5,000 campaigns off and increase spend on these 5,000. And then we'll hand it to Alon and we'll be like, good luck, right? Like there's no way that him or his team can go through that amount of change, right? So understanding and identifying where are the biggest things that you can change? What are the biggest things that, that you can turn off? What are, is the best place to today make that effectiveness and to be able to track it a month from now? Can, and then I'd say third is then kind of continuing to test too. like having that testing men, 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 mentality. Is it just 5%? Is it 2%? It, the, the bigger models aren't going to pick up on it. And that's why you need all these different types of attribution things that we're saying. But also, but making sure that you are looking at new platforms or you are trying different creative or you are and finding ways that to monitor. And again, it's a lot to manage. Um, but those are the, the biggest, when I think about marketers, like the challenges they have that every week are like, what am I working on this week? Or what should I be doing? It's like, those are the things that are always there that kind of need to be, to be thought about when, during the process. So taking this, like, that we're at like the say thousand foot view, taking this up the 10,000 foot view on an annual basis, or even perhaps even more frequently, but, um, you know, we go through forecasting scenarios, planning for budgets, revenue projections, all of these things in an ideal world, how does process work with attribution at like the forefront of our minds? Yeah, it's a really good question. And again, I think it kind of comes down to, you know, what we've been talking about with the client and the specific consumer's journey, right? What do we know about how long it takes for them to get in the funnel? How long it actually takes them to interact with your brand and your messaging and then actually convert? And that usually will help give you a good guidepost as far as to how often you need to be doing these sorts of exercises. You know, there's 
certain optimizations I'd even see folks doing weekly, right? And then there's other clients that we've talked about, you know, whether it's home loans or car loans, that maybe it's a semi-annual basis for an annual basis that makes a lot more sense. But that being said, you know, there is something to be said about like maybe a baseline of, you know, that quarterly, you know, monthly sort of sweet spot for most clients is doing their bigger tops down budgeting relook and kind of looking at the model outputs and seeing what where they see those big puts and takes. As Jason was talking about, not looking at everything maybe, but you know, where do they see the biggest moves they can make? And then from there, actually having a plan to implement that at a tactical level, you know, and um, you know, keep Island and the team really busy, but not too busy that they actually can go to bed at night. So, you know, it's that it's that it's that balance, right? It's like you want to give them enough, but not too much. Right. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, some building on what Steve said, you know, it's it's about crawl, walk, run. Like it's about just getting all of your tracking, using the free tools that are there, understanding, you know, each campaign or each tactic, how things are effectively working, doing your lift analysis, trying to understand when those things, once you've understand all your customer journey and all those types of things from there. And then after that, it's then trying to understand or build a media mix yourself or work with like us or other vendors in regards to like, understanding and aggregate, how does paid search work overall? How well does television work overall at driving goals aligned to those other things? And just trying to understand how would I use this or what would I get from this? Or, you know, what levers would I have available to me to be able to make changes on a year to year basis? And then if that you find value in that and speeding that up, are we rebuilding this a couple times a year, or are we going deeper, right? Like what would be most impactful for me? Or would a marketing analytics team on, a, on our marketing staff be a place to start to look into this for me to look into different things? Because we work with all different types of clients, whether we're working directly with the CMO or we're looking directly with the marketing analytics team head, or we're, we're, we're working with each prop, each, each channel owner. Like there's all different types of ways that we, we can do this with varying levels of sophistication as we've been talking about. So it's just trying to understand like, where am I at now? Am I doing everything that I can for free? Right. And then what is my next step? And that step can be in two or three different directions. It's just, how do you get that adoption? You know, and specifically is finance one of those people where we have to get adoption as well, because they need buy-in and we keep joking about it, but in some cases, finance is a big part and some clients it's not. And so it's just, it's another group that's kind of looking over, like, how are we providing this attribution, fractionalizing it and, and understanding what's effective versus what's not. And so there's there's no wrong answer. It's just to be mindful of that you should be make, making choices every day in regards to understanding how your media is working. I know that my head is swimming with <laughs> ideas of things that I kind of need to immediately look into for my clients. Um, mm-hmm. And I imagine our, our listeners are feeling similarly after, you know, listening to part one and part two. So... We want to kind of leave them with maybe, you know, top one or two things that you all would say, hey, these are the top priorities for our listeners to think about leaving these episodes. What would you all prioritize for them? Yeah, I mean, I think the top priority that I would have um, for any engagement is consistency and clarity, right? So what is the exact models that you have access to? What partners, platforms and engagements you already have in place that you can leverage and maximize the value from. And then get clarity on both internally and externally, both depending on whether you're on the client side or whether you're on the agency side, 
exactly where you're going and what you're trying to aim at. Because again, it seems simple, but I think those things alone are sometimes missed and overlooked when you, when you have these attribution discussions. And, you know, as you're just talking about swimming and all the different options here, it's truly easy to get lost, right. And to kind of like see a bunch of different ways to go. And to, to Jason's point, there's no wrong way. It's just, I think making sure you have alignment is where I'd say. Yeah. And then I guess I would build on that to say kind of, really have a great understanding before you start spending money and attribution and, and other things of, of knowing your customer lifecycle and specifically the KPIs behind that, right? Knowing which conversions are the most impactful conversions for you. Are they micro conversions? Are they, are, is that driving them to your site? Is that getting them to open the email? Is that like, what are those things? Because all of this money that you're going to spend in marketing and all this effort and all these all this copy and all these ads and all these images are all driving to those certain KPIs. Is it 10 KPIs? Is it two? Is it one? Knowing that and understanding not only, hey, I want to model this or I want media to drive to this is phase one. What's my phase two, three, and four, right? Like, is it, are there, should I be going up the funnel or down the funnel? And, and knowing that roadmap, we can help with that. But knowing that coming into that, and then once you start layering more heavy coats of modeling and, and all pixel tracking and closed loop and identity and all these other areas that add more and more, uh, more and more cost and can be more, more effective, like addressable media and, and customer modeling and all those types of things that can come with that all stem from knowing which conversions of how to get people or sales or hey, people raising their hand through your funnel. And so knowing that before you've come to us or as you're having conversations or as you're trying to understand attribution is critical to kind of knowing where you're at and, and knowing what to do next. I would echo a lot of the same sentiments. I think I would say be methodical and consistent and pair that with some sort of persuasive ability to get your team and anyone else involved to trust the process and the data. That is probably what I would say are the best two things um, as guiding principles. You want to establish a process for the way that you're going to understand how your investment is delivering return. And then you have to be able to execute on that understanding. And if you don't have a method, you're not going to be believable. And if you can't be persuasive, you're not going to get other team, member, team members who are the actual decision makers to go along with what probably is the best action for your business. So that's what I would say. Well, Jason, Steve, Island, thank you so, so much for joining us today for both of these episodes. I like I am my my mind is swimming of like all these things that I didn't know and like my eyes are open now. Um, so really, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, your wisdom um, about everything related to attribution. So much like just good material here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks Great. for having us. Thanks. Anytime. This brings us to the end of not just this episode of Digital Marketing Musings, but to the end of our season two. Uh, if you have an idea for an episode for season three, we would love to hear it. Just drop us a note at digitalmarketingmusings at mercalink.com. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and rate and review us. It helps others find us. And please be sure to tell a friend. This episode was produced by Merkel with sound and video editing by Craig Zagurski. 
Our team includes copywriting by Annika Schliesman, graphic design by Garrett Rubel, website support by Bella Paul and Emily Chu, and social media and promotion by Gina Astrop, Lily Williams, and Andrea Ratner. Tune in next time. And until then, I'm Andrew McCartney. And I'm Gaia Reed. Bye.